It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Now, here's your host, certified franchise consultant, Pamela Curry. Hello, this is Pamela Curry, franchise consultant for aspiring entrepreneurs looking to find a franchise that aligns for them, as well as the founder and host of the Franchise Business Radio Show. As a reminder, the Franchise Business Radio Show was founded to be a platform to bring business professionals together to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Today, I am very happy to say that we are physically in the studio and not Zooming. (laughs) Uh, And today's show is really for the entrepreneur or the person that who has founded their business and is trying to determine if they would like to take their business concept and grow it through franchising. Uh, Franchising is classified as a Great growth strategy. And our guest today is Chris Connor, the president of Franchise Marketing Systems. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Pamela. Great to be here. And it is nice to be in person. Yes, agreed. (laughs) For our listeners, um, I want to share a little bit about Franchise Marketing Systems as well as yourself. Uh, Franchise Marketing Systems is a full-service franchise consulting agency that offers marketing and sales support to its clients who are business owners wanting to launch and grow their business through franchising. Now, prior to being president of Franchise Marketing Systems. You worked within the franchise development industry in management positions with several franchise organizations, including being vice president with Francorp, a 35-year-old international franchise development firm. Throughout your work experience, I know you've held several key management positions within franchise organizations. You've played key roles in the franchise development and multiple aspects of the business, including strategic planning, franchise marketing, sales, management. Uh, As I mentioned earlier for our listeners, uh, you currently own and operate Franchise Marketing Systems, which is why we have you on the show. Uh, Franchise Marketing Systems is a sales and marketing firm that's based here in Atlanta, uh, which is where we are today in the studio. Uh, Your services are for business owners that are considering whether to franchise their business or not. And uh, you provide consultant guidance and advice on how to best manage the franchise industry. Um, I know you've worked with hundreds of different franchise systems as a franchise advisor, uh, and I had I would be remiss if I didn't share this. You actually hold your BS from Miami of Ohio, which is my home state, <laughs> <laughs> and your MBA from DePaul in Chicago, which is one of my favorite cities. Uh, great, great background. So, pleasure to have you in the studio again. Thank you so much, Jeez, What a great, great overview and introduction, and just thank you for having me. I've, I feel so privileged to be here. Thank you. Well, I think our listeners are going to feel privileged to get your insight. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with one of the more obvious questions, which is what type of businesses can franchise and have franchised successfully? So it, it's one of the things that I love about this industry segment is is it's it's all-inclusive. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of people have a tendency to think maybe food service and retail and then kind of limit um, their their scope or or what they think franchising encompasses and includes. But uh, absolutely not the case. And and I, I, I don't know that I could think of an industry segment that has not incorporated franchising as a distribution channel. Um, in 21 years of doing this, I have worked with so many different types of brands and some have been uh, kind of off the wall, totally uh, new, innovative, uh, in some cases, maybe a little bit wacky industry segments. <laughs> yes. uh, but the reality is if you have a, a good business system, if you have financials that make sense, um, if there's a, a consumer demand and a consumer market for what you offer that is is bigger and broader than what you can cover mm. uh, with your own company locations, then franchising many times can be a great vehicle to, to grow it and scale it. Um, definitely some key things that need to be in place and franchising is not for every business, but, um, I would absolutely say there's no industry segment that's rolled out. All, all categories could look at this as a viable growth strategy. Yeah. If it's a duplicatable model, business model, then it's franchisable. Uh, Pretty much. Pretty much. So tell us a little bit about you. What are the basics about franchising a business? How does it work? So, when it comes down to it, in a lot of ways, it's a lot like a partnership between two um, independent business owners. So um, one entity, one of those business owners owns the rights to the brand and the business model, the system, the intellectual property. Um, hopefully they have some track record and some time in the industry so they know what they're doing. They, know, they have a good feeling for how to run and operate the business and then the franchisee is someone who would like to have access to that intellectual property. Mm. And if you think of some of the big brands like McDonald's or um, Subway, McDonald's corporate would be the franchisor. They've created this great brand. They have this operating system. Mm. And the franchisee would like to use that and get access to it. They pay, the, uh, they pay McDonald's a fee to have the rights to use that name mm-hmm. and to get the rights to their system. Uh, McDonald's corporate or the franchisor would teach them and train them and coach them and help them uh, avoid the mistakes of what they've learned doesn't work (laughs) and how to follow the path of what does work. Um, If it's done right, it's this phenomenal combination of the franchisor now is getting independent owners, business owners who have a vested interest in the Mm. success of that business. They're driving it, they're working it, they're running it without oversight and without a whole lot of day-to-day management from the franchisor. They're also funding that new location. Mm-hmm. And from the franchisee's standpoint, they're getting the benefit of all those years of experience, coaching, mentorship, guidance, a brand that's proven, um, leverage, leveraging buying power and economies of scale. It, it really is this win-win dynamic if it's done right. And, and I think that's why you see so many great brands that have franchised is uh, they've come up with that model that's that's mutually beneficial. They've gotten the right franchise partners, and they've been able to scale really, really quickly. Oh, so well said. And and you're right. You're not going to have a a better operator than someone who's, like you said, invested in the business from a money, time, energy, passion, uh, all of those things. We we always talk about it being in the business, and and it's one of the things where I, I love speaking with other people like you who've been in this with me. You've, you've, Mm -hmm. you've lived it, eaten, breathed, slept it the same way that I have. Oh yeah. And we always talk about these things, but one company that I franchised was an oil field services franchise. 
and we sold our first couple of, of units uh-huh. and, and the franchisor came back to me after the first few, he was just blown away. He was like, Chris, <laughs> I've been doing this for 30 years. I, I can't get people to work as hard for me that I pay $300,000 a year mm. as a salary as these franchisees are. And they paid me. Yes. They paid me $50,000 for the rights to do it. And they're working twice as hard as I've ever ever had. (laughs) Those kind of stories, I think, are are pretty prolific and consistent in in franchising. I agree with you. And and you're right. Those dynamics, that's what really does make franchising as a growth strategy such such a great one. Uh, Would you have any, I guess, insight or things you would want to walk us through that would be key reasons on why franchising is a viable growth strategy? Yeah, for sure. So um, a lot of what I'm doing on a, on a daily basis is talking with business owners about this, um, help, trying to help them get insight and, and, and give them a, a good feeling as to whether franchising is a fit for their model, mm-hmm. whether franchising could be a viable way to expand. Um, Number one is is the capital element. Every sure. business on the planet is is in need of funding to grow and to build the brand, and, and it's a constant effort to Absolutely. be raising capital. Um, franchising is a way to do that. It's a channel to raise funding, both directly because the franchisee pays a fee. Mm-hmm. Um, upfront franchise fees will be anywhere from thirty to sixty thousand for a unit. Sure. Uh, there's also indirect funding. So the franchisee makes the investment to open that business. They pay for the construction. They pay for the signage, um, the the insurance, the staffing costs. Those are all their investment where even though that money may not be going to the franchisor, they're making the investment to open up the unit so that it, it satisfies that, that need and requirement. The second big driver in this and in today's market, every market, every area, every business, we're all really – struggling with staffing. Um, yep. Labor's a major Labor shortage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a thing. It is a thing. <laughs> and, and, and by f- get using franchising, it's not a silver bullet, but by putting an independent owner operator in charge of their location, they can navigate this, they can find the staff, they can oversee it. You just get better, more efficient results when you have an owner operator on site. So it helps adre- address the labor side of things. Um, and, and then the third big driver here is is the speed of growth. Mm. It, you'd mm-hmm. be hard-pressed to find too many vehicles that could allow you to grow this quickly um, and expand this quickly without giving up equity. Yes. And, and that's the other big thing is when you sell a franchise, the franchisee does not have equity in the main business. They can't tell you how to run it. They can't uh, – they're not becoming a partner in the, in the main business. They're owning their own franchise, but not, not in the main business. You still control things. That makes sense. Yeah, from a fr- franchisor and a founder of business, um, having that control that, like you said, uh, faster growth approach, <laughs> vested operators. And the list goes on and on, on why it's such a impressive growth strategy using the talent and money of others. Uh, the other piece you just brought up to me as far as the assets go, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you have a win-win for all parties. So the franchisee who's investing in that local unit, they're building an asset too. It's just a different entity. It's just not the franchisor entity. Big time. And and when, and I know you've had many of these conversations more than I have, uh, but when you're speaking with someone who is maybe 
working in a, in a full-time job today mm-hmm. and they're considering entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. one of the big discussions that I'll always go to is you work hard. I mean, you're a successful, driven, motivated person. You earn a, a good living doing what you do. But wouldn't it be great if you could put in the same effort and, and make a living and then at the end of the day have an asset that you can sell that you're building and growing and working towards too? Yep. And get some tax advantages as well. Oh, that's big too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of perks on that side too. Uh, so help us understand the profile of a franchise buyer who invest in the franchise system. There's a really wide range of, of franchisees, um, profiles of franchisees. Sure. Um, I have invested in franchises before, and I think you know lots of, of people that are in franchising have, uh, regardless of what, what role you've played in the industry. Sure. Um, the one thing that I, I would say holds true across the board is a good franchise candidate usually is not too entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. which is always kind of a odd paradigm. But mm-hmm. um, your franchise model is designed for people to follow a system, fit into a, a, a bit of a path. And someone who is a real, genuine creator and entrepreneur, it's a hard role for them to yes. accept. Yeah. Um, they need to have some sense of, of being willing to accept risk because you're still starting a business. True. But the ability to follow a path listen to guidelines, be within some framework of a business system mm-hmm. is critical. Um, but I, I've seen all walks of life. I mean, there, there has been a, a really, really significant increase in minority-owned, female-owned mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, franchise systems. Um, but if, if I had to profile the large majority of the franchise sales that, that we've been involved with, mm-hmm. a big percentage of them are what I would call like corporate rep- refugees. Ah, uh, yeah. People that, that have been... You know, they've had their soul ripped out working in, <laughs> oh, in yeah. corporate America for decades or whatever the number is. Um, and, and one of the interesting things, it's been a wild ride the last two years here, as probably everyone could maybe say the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it has driven people into franchising. The, the whole pandemic, it's been crazy. It has been crazy, Chris. I mean, people ask me all the time, how's business? I'm like, you know, because everyone's thinking things are falling apart. Yeah. And that's not the case in the franchise community. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all, like a little bit embarrassed to tell people it's like the market has been so great and, mm-hmm. and there's been so much interest. Um, part of it is I think people just flat out lost their job yeah. or a business closed or something really significant happened. Um, but other people, I think, saw the writing on the wall mm-hmm. and, and realized like what I thought was safe in this W-2 job I had is not. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's time for me to take control Yep. And, and jump into something that I own. And we had our company had the best year we've ever had in 2020. And this year we're on pace to maybe double that in That's 2021. Great. Congrats. Well, thank you. It's, it's, it's definitely an industry thing, though. Yep. Like every, everyone in the market is, I think, has done really well kind of ironic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And you almost feel bad because those that obviously you don't want to be insensitive to those that haven't had that experience over the past yeah. you know year and a half or so. Uh, but you also want to open up the eyes to say, wow, there's a lot of great options out there where you can take control of your future and, and do some things. To- totally. Totally. Yeah. And I, and I, I've been there. I think mm. you were there at one point. Oh, sure. Um, 
you get trained sometimes when you're in a, a employee position for so long uh, to lose maybe sight of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you're so ingrained in this track with the horse blinders on and, and, and you don't realize how much potential you have. And for me, yeah. I, my awakening moment was I was fired. And then it was it was like, oh, wait a minute. Look at all this opportunity <laughs> hey, to be wait an entrepreneur. Wait a minute. <laughs> Best thing that could have happened to you, right? It, it totally was. <laughs> it's funny. And, and I'm, I want to get to this next question, but I have to share this quick little story. I'm working with a candidate and uh, one of the – he's considering franchise ownership. He's in transition. He was let go. And uh, one of the things he shared with me, he said, Pam, you know, I always give 100%. He goes, I, I just have always then been that person. I'm that I'm that employee. And he goes, I'm given 100%. And then it wasn't due to my, you know, what what he was doing or how well he was doing. He goes, he was top performer, but they had to let people go. They removed that position. So himself and others got let go. And he said, I have decided I am tired to giving 100% to someone else's business. I want to give it to my own business. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the rays of light, light beam through the window. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing when I hear that. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. It's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. So let's go back to the franchisor side of the equation. Uh, yeah, what if if you become a franchisor? Uh, what is the day in the life? You know, um, what's the day in the life of a franchisor if a business owner is considering becoming a franchise? So I, I can I can speak to this personally also, um, but it it's it's a transition away from being an operator to being more of a strategic coach, mentor, um, and I always reference the uh, the E Myth book. Oh I yeah, E Myth Revisited. <laughs> it's phenomenal, mm-hmm. and it, and it's pretty like basic premise, but it's massive, massive sort of like what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And transitioning away from being, he calls it a technician. Yes, um, I remember that. And and every entrepreneur, I mean, they're they're good at what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's well, someone who's been gotten to the point of franchising, they've they've been successful, they've done well at it, and a lot of times it's because they've kept their own two hands on everything they did. And now, as a franchise, you need to kind of pull away from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. The the thing that I've I've spent a lot of time working with entrepreneurs on is that transition time period, mm. and it might happen when you sell three franchises or five or ten or twenty. Sure, but it's it's a it's a long road, and mm-hmm. and some entrepreneurs are do it easily and and it and it's more of a natural for them. Others, you really have to like rip their hands off the steering wheel. <laughs> Um, but that, that's the, the premise though, is now you as the business owner are, we're, we're leveraging your knowledge and your intellectual property, not how hard you work. Mm. And, and that transition takes some time and it takes some effort. Um, there's a different dynamic when you're working with employees that work for you. And when you're working with franchisees that have invested ah, in your business. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes along those lines. And, and some of the entrepreneurs that I've worked with who have been, um, great at seeing the big picture and understand that um, they delegate. They they find opportunities to teach and coach and 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 empower people. Yes. Um, others that have not, um, it's just it's a longer road for them. But mm-hmm. um, the funny thing about it is, uh, I franchised a bunch of companies in the restoration space. 
um, a couple that have gone over 500 locations. Like they've done very well. Great. Um, one of them in particular, he was what I would call maybe like a, a C if I had to grade his skill level in the restoration market, he knew it, but he wasn't exceptional at it. Mm-hmm. Soon after that, I worked with another company that I would say was an A plus in the restoration space. Uh-huh. They they knew it exceptionally well. The C player restoration guy franchised over 500 locations, sold the business for a couple hundred million dollars. The A plus operator never sold one franchise. Mm. And it wasn't till after the fact, and I'm looking back, and I'm like, these guys are so entrenched in the operation. Yeah, they're incredible technicians, but they they couldn't step back to be able to teach other people and coach other people and invest the time and effort into scaling it. And in the end, this guy over here who knew it well enough was really focused on that. He had this phenomenal opportunity to scale and. Now it's a big brand because of it. That's a great story. Very representative, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of that world. I, I understand what you're saying. So what is what does the process in regards to the work of the development for a new franchise brand going to market? You know, it's one thing to, you know, as a business owner to take that concept, package it and say, great, I'm packaged, I'm ready to franchise it. What next? A development, taking that new brand to market. What does that look like? So this is what I've been doing for 21 years. I have so much passion and enthusiasm and just just love for entrepreneurs that have, well, entrepreneurs, period. Mm -hmm. Endless respect. But when you're an entrepreneur who has gotten to this position, um, where you're entrusting other people with the opportunity to share in your brand, um, share in your knowledge, share in your expertise, to me, it couldn't be any more fun. Mm. And and mm. I think for most entrepreneurs who are going through it, that that's the case too. It's just, it's it's so exciting. Yes. What could be more exciting <laughs> than, than spreading your 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 creation, you know, what, you, what you've invented? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we begin first with strategic planning, which is figuring out, what the heck are we selling here? What's the model? What does the franchise fee look like? Royalty structure, territory model. Um, what are we going to do for a franchise buyer? What are they going to pay for it? Um, structuring territories, all of these things that we need to take into account. In the end, the most important thing in all of this is that no matter how we do it, the franchisee is getting a good deal. Mm-hmm. That that this thing still looks good to them and it's attractive um, and that they would ultimately see it as a good investment to make that investment. Sure. And that over time, they would still see it as a good investment to continue paying royalties and stay part of it. We, we go through a process basically to figure out all of those details, put together a couple of, of business plans. Um, we get the franchise registered with the SBA. There's a, a thing called the SBA Franchise Directory, mm-hmm. which just makes it easier for people to get funding when they're investing into a franchise system. Um, we work with third-party law firms to go through the legal process. Um, the legal process in franchising for someone who has not been in it looks and feels confusing, but I, I, I'm, I tell people this, it's not. It's not rocket science. You need to do it right up front. You need to have it set up and structured correctly. But the great thing about franchising is it's uniform. Yes. You can have one 
lawyer, one legal representation, and you can use the same document across the country. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have 50 lawyers in all these different markets and 50 different partnership agreements. It's very consistent uh, and, and you need to do it the right way. But once you have the foundation, it, it's uh, easy to scale it. Um, we work with lawyers to go through that. We then create all of the operations and training documentation. And this is like the, you know, the the gorilla in the room. Uh, for, <laughs> That's the recipe book. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. And, and usually when you start talking about this stuff with any entrepreneur, it's like beads of sweat start to form. <laughs> it's like, I've never written this stuff down. Um, and that's normal. Absolutely. I, I think most great entrepreneurs, almost all great entrepreneurs are not great at the details. They don't spend the time to document. They do. They create, they do, they drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's our job or someone like us to come in and create the packaging, put the documentation together and, and develop a process that would allow, you know, the Chris of the world who comes in as a franchisee to learn mm-hmm. it as efficiently as possible and pick it up as fast as possible. Um, we, we do create a lot of paperwork, but I, we, we load it onto an LMS system, um, usually uh, Trainuals or Learn Upon, one of these platforms that then digitizes it and, and allows for interaction with a franchise owner through it. Um, the last piece of what we do is packaging everything into a marketable, presentable, um, exciting and compelling franchise presentation. Um, some of the people that we work with don't really have much of a brand at all. Others have a great brand. Um, but we need to now transition that over to the franchise presentation. Mm. And the customer is different now. This is an investor who's looking at buying the business, not a customer who might come eat the hamburger. Right. So it's it's just a different message, different package. But we, we go through all of that to, to do that then. Um, the fun part to me, the really, really fun part mm-hmm. is going and selling it. Mm. And And that's where, you know, once we've created this package, we begin to promote it. We interview candidates. We we present the vision. Um, I, I think part of the key is positioning the entrepreneur as the um, you know something I'm always saying to to business owners. Like if you call Coca Cola and ask for the CEO on a random phone call, do you get them on the phone? No. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, you get you get layers of people yeah. before you talk to them, and whether it's us or someone like us, you as the entrepreneur need to be protected your time. Uh, you also need to be positioned correctly. And you're important. You know a ton. And your knowledge, your in, intellectual property is so valuable. Let's make sure that people are understand that and that they're positioned correctly. So when you speak, it's impactful. It's, it's listened to. Mm-hmm. It's seen as part of the value instead of part of the, the pitch and the sale. And let someone else like us, you know, do that part. Yeah, and I, I think when it's sort of a, a ground level emerging uh, franchise brand, there the investor to your point or the franchisee uh, not only has to trust the business model, but they have to really feel good about that founder and the leadership at that particular time as the system's just getting launched. It, it's really the majority of the sale, mm-hmm. and and when we're a brand new franchise going to market, we don't have hundreds of locations to point to. We don't have crazy discounts on um, buying arrangements. We don't have the crazy brand equity. Uh, what we do have uh-huh. is you as the owner, you as the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you have time to give to that operator and we can sell that. You, you buy in now, you get access to the founder of the company. The CEO is the one who's going to be training you. Yes. Where if you go buy a subway, you know, 
Not long. You're a number. You're a number. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a big, big advocate for uh, bigger is not always better. I agree. Franchising. I, I don't think that's always the case, but look at the relationship, look at the dynamics of what you're getting from that franchise. Don't just judge based on whether do you see TV commercials on the Super Bowl right. as the primary driver. <laughs> Not to mention market availability. Uh, you too. know, it's a lot of market availability if you're getting in with a ground or emerging franchise system versus the overly mature franchise system. Uh, big time. And I, I, I you know this might be taboo in franchising, but I'm a big believer that the early – relationships, it's okay to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And and if, if a franchise investor is listening to this, it's okay to ask for negotiations. <laughs> That's it's not, right. not all, out, out, off limits. Um, but but I definitely am, am recommending to brands that I launch, go into those early relationships and be open to it. Mm-hmm. You know, talk mm-hmm. about a bigger territory. Um, talk about, you know, fee structures and things like that. Doesn't mean you have to take everything that they ask for. Sure. But as an early investor, usually they should get some kind of um, early adoption concessions. I guess that's the right. word. Yeah, right. concessions. Yeah, understood. Uh, what what elements in a business would you say are important for for a business to consider in regards to being franchisable? What what makes a business franchisable? So I I would start first with the consumer market. Um, whatever you as a business owner, whatever business you're in, let's make sure that there's a consumer demand for what you do that's big enough to support scale. Um, and there are some crazy uh, examples of industry segments that I, I mean, I, I know you've seen them being in this as long as you have too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many frozen yogurt stores can you put in one market where it's like, come on. Like if, if you looked at the consumer market, you'd realize there's just not that many people buying the yogurt. Mm-hmm. Um, eBay drop-off stores, you know, uh, whatever it was, 15 years ago. Yes. Um, and, and it's not that those aren't great models. There just wasn't room for 10,000 of them. Understand. And, and I think that's the first step is look at the consumer market, make sure that what you do, there's a demand for it. And a, and a need for more um, locations, more more representation in in markets. Um, the the next thing that I would look at is what is your marketing mechanism to get a customer. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, if you, you don't have a customer, you don't have a business. <laughs> and and you might have been in business for ten years or twenty years, and you don't have to market anymore, and you've kind of like forgot how to hunt. Uh-huh. The franchisee won't have that advantage. Mm. And when they open up, there needs to be a mechanism. There needs to be a system in place that is proven that we can give to them and they can go out and execute locally and start driving business in. Make sure we've nailed that down. Customer acquisition. Customer acquisition. Mm. And that, that also ties into brand. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to have a great, strong, professional, clean presentation of who we are. Um, again, if we're a burger restaurant, the website may or may not be that important, but when someone's looking at investing in our brand, it's extremely important. Everything about us is going to be critiqued and analyzed and looked at. Mm. So, um, we need to have those things in place. Um, technology really should be wrapped into everything that you do in today's day and age. And we we were talking right before, um, you know, the, the, the entrepreneur that's writing things down on a notepad and, yeah. <laughs> you know, still sending the orders down on like a paper wire in the, in the restaurant type thing. Uh-huh. Um, 
it's not that you can't be doing these things. You just have to be willing to adopt technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you as an entrepreneur, many times the entrepreneur is so talented. They're so ingrained. They know the business so well. They're doing things that a layman like me who comes in, mm-hmm. it would take forever for me yeah. to be get, get proficient. Um, we need to have tech technology in place. We need to have systems, things like, um, you know, bookkeeping, POS system, CRM, if you're a sales and distribution model, yeah. um, scheduling software, just embrace it. It's out there. It's mm-hmm. been out there. There's a ton of options and, and start looking at those things. Um, I like to see that an entrepreneur has delegated within their business. I think that's critical. Uh, where if you can't even teach people how to do things within your own domain, it's going to be tough to do as a franchisor and teach people how to become a business owner. Excellent point. Um, and then uh, I would also take into account competition. You know, if you're in an industry segment that is heavily saturated and mature, make sure we have a good, strong differentiator. What's our mouse trap? What do we use to go up against these brands and say, hey, here's what we do. Here's what we stand for. And it's different from all these other options. What a great outline uh, right right there. I, I really, I had the, uh, another question I wanted to ask you uh, kind of in, in wrapping up this show. Um, I have a feeling you all, you actually just addressed it with that outline. And, and the question, let me know if you want to add anything to it. But the question is, is what tips would you give to the business owner that's out there and they're going, I know I want to eventually franchise, but it doesn't sound like I'm ready yet. What can they start doing today to lay that groundwork, to put them in the right position to franchise their brand in the future? So I I mentioned the E-Myth earlier, Michael Gerber. Mm -hmm. Love that book. I would, if you haven't already, pick it up, read it. It's just a a great kind of foundation for this whole idea. (laughs) Um, I do think a lot of the ability to franchise and the ability to scale through franchising is about a mindset. Mm-hmm. So whether it's E-Myth or um, uh, you know, any one of the other sales coaches or, or leaders out there, start getting into the mindset of, I am worth more for what I know than what I can do with my own two hands. Mm-hmm. And, and the faster we mentally and emotionally, probably more emotionally, make that transition – over to thinking scale, everything else will will kind of fall in line. And and uh, I love I, technology. I, m- I mentioned. I mean, there's technology wrapped into every part of how you do business. Sure, you just have to look. Mm-hmm. They're out there, and and most of them are not expensive either. It's just a matter of you being willing to take a step back to do it. Yeah. Um, delegate. You know, you have to begin to delegate. Teach and empower people that you're working with. And that's true for within your business, certainly is true when you start franchising. The faster we can start making that that move to do that, the easier all of this will be. Um, there's fantastic education platforms like um, through the International Franchise Association. Um, there's trade shows all over, which I love trade shows. It's still <laughs> old school like that. Uh, out there. Yeah. Go to these things. Just, just immerse yourself in it and you'll learn more about franchising. Um, I, I can tell you, and I would say this to everyone I talk to, this is not rocket science. It's not. But the hardest part of doing this, you've already done in building your business, coming up with the idea, creating this model. Mm-hmm. Now we're just copying that. Yeah. Just replicating yeah. it. I When I see someone who's become that business owner and been successful. I'm like, you realize you're part of the 1% club. That's the pure entrepreneur, 
Right. So true. And kind of like you said earlier, the profile of the franchisee is different usually than the founder of the business because uh, the profile of the franchisee is typically not that pure entrepreneur. Uh, they're looking to come in and, and follow the system that the pure entrepreneur created. Uh, so a fran- they're becoming franchipreneurs, as we like to say. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, you have just been a wealth of knowledge, and I just really appreciate how much you've just clearly laid out so many steps. And um, it. I know for those that are considering taking their business and franchising, it may seem like a lot, but to your point, it's not rocket scientists. And if you get together with a franchise consulting agency like Franchise Marketing Systems, uh, they're going to help you navigate all of those waters. They're going to guide you. Uh, so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself. Uh, there are resources out there that are available to you. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing and providing such great insight uh, around what it takes to take your business and, and franchise it. Thank you so much, Pamela. It's such a pleasure. And, I, and I, I'd have to say the same thing about you. I've known you for coming up on 10 years, and there, there's very few people like you who have who know all sides of the franchise industry an amazing resource mm-hmm. unbelievable how many times i've talked to different people totally not connected with you and it's like pamela curry knows <laughs> everything about this i'm like well she also knows about this too it's just a phenomenal person and resource to go to and just thank you for having me here thank today. you well i appreciate that uh so for our listeners i i do want to just sign off here and say this is pamela curry the host of franchise business radio and certified franchise consultant please remember that if you or someone you know is considering franchise ownership then don't feel like you have to navigate those waters all by yourself there is a lot to learn uh i do specialize in helping individuals on selecting a franchise being effective in their due diligence so they can make an educated and informed decision on what business aligns for them. So if franchise ownership is something you really do want to seriously pursue, contact me. Be happy to give you a complimentary franchise consultation. Welcome being a resource to you. I can easily be reached at Pam at franchiseintellect.com. Call, text 847-970-8765. Again, thank you, Chris. This show is designed for business professionals like you to come together so we can connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Thank you again for joining Pamela Curry and her guests for the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com. Dot com.